Welcome to the Blueprint Movement Podcast with your host, Victoria Lanier. In my podcast, I highlight people making moves in their community. On our seventh day of 12 days of podcasting, we have Kamaya Walker. She's an Atlanta native and a mass media production student at the illustrious North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. Her debut short film called And That's On Period focuses on the struggles that black women witness with fibroids and the neglect they receive from hospitals during pregnancies. She has made a total of eight short films thus far. Her ultimate career goal is to own her own production studio called Camera Ready Productions and become an Oscar-winning socially conscious film director. In order to elevate the image of black people, she strives to make content that not only entertains but educates the masses on important issues. When she is not making immaculate films, she enjoys cooking, experimental recipes, skating, and painting. Please give a warm welcome for Kamaya Walker. Hi, Kamaya. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. Of course. Hey, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Sure. So, my name is Kamaya Walker. I am a senior honors mass media production student at North Carolina A&T State University. Um, my, uh, what I want to do with my life after graduation is uh, I want to be a film director, um, specifically a socially conscious um, Oscar winning film director. I had a mentor tell me that I need to stop saying just film director because anybody could be a film director. She said, get more specific. So that's why I say that. And uh, so far I've made eight short films. Um, I really try to touch on um, topics that are more educational as opposed to just like anything. So my first short film was a narrative about somebody with fibroids and then eventually suffering from preeclampsia. Then um, my latest uh, short film is about someone who um, is dealing with depression on a physical level. So yeah, I, um, but I do like add a little comedic flair. Like it's not all just, oh my gosh, that's so sad. It's um, educational and entertaining at the same time. Okay. Now with your short films, what would you say is your favorite? Um, so my favorite, okay, so I know I said that my latest one was about seasonal depression, but I keep forgetting that I made one since then because it was for a school project. And I'd say um, my real latest one would be my favorite. It's called um, The Party Part Two. Um, there is a The Party Part One, but like it's not necessarily uh, in relation to that party. It's like... um a series of parties that I'm looking to build upon. So the party part two is about four girls trying to figure out what they want to eat before they go to a party. And it's um it's my favorite because it's funny. I showed it to a lot of people when I was doing it. And this one girl said um, it reminded her of like a Issa Rae project. And I it really did. warmed my heart because like Issa Rae is a, she was partially an inspiration for that uh, short film in particular. But, like, being compared to someone so magnificent felt so surreal. I was like, wow. Like, it was just one comment. But 
I took it and ran with it. So that's my favorite one. Yeah, that reminded me of my friend group getting food <laughs> before a party. And it's just like, oh, what? we're not even going to go to the party anymore. Yeah. So yeah, that definitely <laughs> reminded me. Now, the first time I ever saw like your short films were was actually a commercial. It was the Febreze commercial. Ooh. And I believe you made it. After, like we were still in quarantine I believe yeah. right yes yeah that's how I like know how you made short films commercials and I was just like okay this is really good like that's what I'm talking <laughs> about yeah like Febreze needs to hire her and do commercials yeah <laughs> yeah like um I made that commercial when I was like bored so um during quarantine that's when I got connected with a mentor like I have a whole bunch of mentors but this particular mentor was actually in the film industry and he told me like I just needed to create and from time to time like my brain will get to rolling and I'll get anxious because I haven't made anything so I just start writing something so um that day uh when I was thinking about it I was in the bathroom and my roommate had put some new Febreze in the bathroom. And I was like, huh, what if I, <laughs> what if I did a commercial with this? But it was a passing thought. And then I went to go sit down and I got anxious about not making anything. So I looked at the Febreze thing and I was like, I have the perfect idea. And then I was like, but I'm gonna wait a few cause I don't have no food to do it with. Like it was about like food odor. But then I realized like, I could just go get some food. Like I didn't have to wait. <laughs> So I just like when I when I get an idea in my head about a project, more than likely I start doing the project right then and there, because one, I don't want the idea to go to way. I have a very short attention span. But two, um, the I like to do stuff while the passion is still there, while the idea is still burning. So, yeah, like I had to do that commercial right then and there. I did it on my phone. And yeah, like. I was mostly bored and I had nothing to do because this was this was like I had moved in maybe three or four days before school started, unlike everyone else. So I moved in and I was just sitting there bored. I had unpacked everything and I didn't know what to do. So I was like, I'm just make this commercial. And I didn't think like people would like it as much as they did. Like I was hoping they would because I put a lot of energy into it. My room actually smelled bad because <laughs> of the food <laughs> that I needed the Febreze. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad it got the response that it got. It really uh, makes me feel good when people tell me about the Febreze commercial because, like, I don't know. I'd say that was the, the thing that really gave me clout at a &T. It was the thing that people were like, okay, like, she's serious. She's a force to be reckoned with. So, yeah, it made me very happy. I'm glad to hear that. Now, with all the short films, how do you get your actors? Do you, are most of the actors your friends or like, do you have a form where they sign up and they become an actor in your short film? Um, so the first short film, uh, I was in Richard B. Harrison Players, which is an actor group on campus. And what I did was, I talked to the president of that and I was like, hey, can I put out a casting call for this short film? And then she was like, yeah. So between Richard Harrison Players and Aggie Night Live, which is a sketch comedy 
organization on campus. Like, that's where I get most of my actors and some of my friends who just, like, are bored and want to get into acting. So, like, I have a handful of people who I'll go to as, like, dependables and understudies. But, like, um, mostly, like, for all of quarantine, it was a good four or five short films I made that was just me. So, like, I'm not you, like, for a minute, I had to get back used to using people. And it kind of makes me nervous. Like, before I shoot, I'd be like, ah, people. <laughs> but um, I was just like, I just have to, you know, get over it. Because this is, like, the field I want to get to. I can't get nervous every time <laughs> I try uh, to film somebody. So, uh, yeah, I um, mostly just use my friends because they make me less nervous and I can talk to them. <laughs> But I'm trying to branch out. Um, so what I do is I'll put out a Cassie call um, on social media, but it won't be like an official one. I'll just be like, who want to be in something? And, right. and yeah, I need. I guess I'll start putting on Instagram so I have a wider variety of people. But mostly right. I just go into some group chats and be like, yeah, um, who's going to be in Greensboro? Because I need you. Now, with a casting call, like a regular casting call, is it you and you interview everybody that wants to be a part of it and you're just like, okay, you have this role, you get this role. Is that usually how a casting call works? Okay, so surprisingly, when I put out a casting call, I don't get a lot of interest. So I'll take like the first few people that send me stuff because it'll be spread. It'll be like three hours apart and I'll get some people. It's not like a, oh, I want to do what I want to do what I want to do it type thing. So I'll take the first few people that like match the description of what I want. I'll put them in a group chat and I'll be like, here is the script. Pick a role that you want or pick a role that you're most comfortable with. Because like the party part two, I was rushing and I just wanted to You wouldn't to be able to tell. Huh? You wouldn't be able to tell. Oh, that, wow. Thank you. On their part, that was really good acting. Yeah. So <laughs> most of them. Actually, no. Yeah, three of them are acting majors. So that really helped a lot. But um, the other girl, her name is Brianna. She wasn't an acting major. She's just naturally talented. She was hilarious. And she's actually in Aggie Night Live. And I was like, dang, girl, like two of them I had never met before. I had just sent out the thing in the hope that some people came to shoot. <laughs> and so Brianna and Egypt, I had never met. And I was just grateful that they they were able to execute their role so well and I knew like um Imani and Jay were gonna carry it out because like they're just naturally amazing people they've been doing this for some time but I was just happy that they were able to carry out because I had only seen them like in person that was the first time I met them but I had scheduled a zoom call so that we could do a, a run through because if I didn't do that run through, I would have just been stuck like a duck. So I did a run through and yeah. And then we went over it in person and yeah. Okay. Now, moving on to one of your other short films, you did Rolling Stair. And mm -hmm. I like Rolling Stair because it was a different perspective on the people that are always skating and roller skating mm -hmm. and always walking up in the student center like going to the student center you always see somebody skating does yeah. not matter what time 
early in the morning, late at night, you will always yeah. see somebody skating. Always. Always. <laughs> now, I like how you included a woman that is a skateboarder and give her perspective on how she got into skateboarding and why she likes to skateboard. Yeah. Now, what made you do a short film on that? Okay, so that was also a class project. <laughs> um, uh, most of my stuff is a class project, if I'm being honest, but it'll just be me trying to actually do something that'll go in my portfolio instead of just throwing something out there. So yeah, that was a class project. And um, during quarantine, I started my roller skating journey. And like, because of that, I realized how difficult it is to be a skater in general on campus. Cause like, I'll see the skaters on camp and I'll just, you know, stare and I'll be like, dang, that is amazing. Like, oh my gosh, they can do all these tricks. And like, I'll cheer them on. Like if I see one of them fall, I'll just be like, it's okay, you got this and cheer them on. So like, I've always been fascinated with people who can skateboard anyway, but I just thought it was amazing how auntie had well surprising I should say that Auntie has such a large skate presence so like you see the skateboarders but you don't normally see roller skaters unless you go to um Caitlin USA up the street like you won't know who on campus is roller skating so I wanted to peer into the lives of those who you see and then introduce people to people you don't see on campus but people who are still like taking their hobby to the next level now with skating why'd you get into roller skating uh I am a very impulsive person (laughs) so (laughs) I was I was like I just need a physical okay no here's what happened my mom told me that you need three hobbies you need one you like one you can make money with and one you can exercise with so I like that Yes. So I had painting as the thing that I liked. And sometimes I was in a dorm at the time. So right now my hobby that I like is cooking. But at the time, like I didn't have a kitchen. So my hobby that I like doing with no money is (laughs) painting. And then the hobby that I could make money from was videography. And then I had no exercise type hobby. So I, um, when I was in 10th grade, I did try skateboarding and my best friend had bought me like a little penny board and I could not, <laughs> I couldn't skate on that. Like I kept falling and I don't like falling. It's very discouraging, but um, that all changed when I got my roller skates. Like it was just a very impulsive decision. I was like, I'm gonna buy some roller skates. And I sat on it for about a week only because I didn't have the money for skates. So I had bought some cheap, skates that were advertised as outdoor skates but actually were not and then uh I started rolling around on them and realized that they are not the types of skates that you need to be wearing like anywhere because they were very cheap very uh squeaky they uh tore up real fast so then um I invested in some like uh impala skates and they I still have those my old reliables you know um so I got into skating. It was just, you know, I was bored again. I do a lot of stuff because I'm bored and my brain starts racing and I get anxious and then it's on impulse. Okay. Now with the skates or is it the, um, I don't know what they're called, but 
I think there's a difference. Skates and rollerblades? Yes. So there's inline skating and rollerblading. Okay. And you're rollerblading? No, I, uh, inline, wait. I think it's (laughs) inline. I could be, hold on, inline skate. What is it? Because I know one is like on one row. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. Inline is rollerblading. And then what I do is four wheel. Well, they both have. Yeah. So, like, I do the. The other one, the one that people see on row bounce. Yeah, I know I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've always I, I know how to roller skate, but I've always wanted to do the other one. The mm-hmm. um and oh dang. Yes, rollerblading. Rollerblading. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to confuse us, but rollerblading. Yeah, that would oh yeah, I'd love to do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I found a difference. It's quad skates, which is the one that everyone knows. Okay. And then there's inline, which is rollerblading. There we go. Got you. Okay. Do you know how to do tricks? Uh, okay. So when I first started, I was doing tricks. I, like I said, I was staying on campus. So I would just go to the basketball court because they took off the basketball rims for COVID. So people wouldn't be gathering over there, which I think is very smart and very convenient for me because it gave me a place to skate. So it was, it was very close to me. It was like a little short walk and then boom, I was there. So when I was skating every day, I did try and learn some skates, like um, some tricks. Like I can skate backwards now, semi-confidently. Um, I tried to learn this trick where when you're turning a curve in the roller rink, you could turn around while you're doing it. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, it's very complicated, but um, I kept falling in the ring, and then a whole bunch of people started gathering, and I was like, eh, let me not fall in front of all these people. Um, I tried to – there's not really many tricks that I try to do. I just try to learn what everyone else already knows. Like, um, there's this move called the Chicago that I learned in the roller skating rink, and I was like, oh, this looks easy. And then I tried it, and I was like – wow, y'all been doing this the whole time? Like, <laughs> this kind of hard. So um, my tricks that I have learned, they're not like tricks. They're just stuff that you should know if you're black in a skater. Most definitely. Now, um, besides your short films, for your birthday, you did Eight Days of Kamaya. Yes, I did. Can you yes, I did. tell us what made you want to do that? Another impulse. <laughs> so um, I started working on my birthday project when I was, it was December. So Christmas, the Christmas right before, um, the Christmas right before my birthday. So I like, I was in my bed and I was like, dang, I'm turning 20. Like I already did a photo shoot for my 19th birthday. I don't want to do another photo shoot. Like, it's going to look, I don't want to just do like another basic photo shoot. Cause like I would see everyone on my timeline, they would have this nice dress, put on some heels and then have their little balloons, like the number balloons. And I'll be like, that's cute and all, but like, I'm not the type to just do something that everyone else is doing. I'm very much out, outrageous in a sense. Like I will not conform to what other people are doing. Cause I just think it's boring. 
So like I'll take what what everyone else is doing and then I'll just be like, okay, let me not do that. Avoid this. So I was like, I'm turning 20. That's a new decade. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So for my 19th birthday, I did a trailer about how turning 19 was such an awkward year. And I remember saying 18, when you turn 18, you're legal. And when you turn 20, it's a new decade. 19 is just a gap year. So that <laughs> line kept, right, that line kept running through my head that December. And I was like, decade, decade. So what I did was I was like, I have eight days before my birthday, which in my brain was like, perfect. Like I could do eight different decades and then lead up to my birthday and then do the current decade. And yeah, <laughs> I was just like going off the idea that, I was entering a new decade, turning 20, and that there's decades that have come before me, like me turning 20 in a different era. What would that look like? Now, what was your favorite era? So in real life, outside of the pictures, my favorite decade is the 90s. But in the pictures, the one that I like the most um, getting taken would have to be the 20s only because I liked how it was received, if that makes sense. Like, I was not expecting people to even be messing with the 20s for real. I was like, yeah, they're going to see this one and get confused and whatever. But, like, everyone loved the 20s. Like, I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is amazing. I also equally liked the 90s and the 2000s on when I was taking the pictures. Um. That part was very fun, especially the 90s, because it was the only the only pictures that I didn't have to have a wig for. I just took off the wig and then threw on a hat. And I was like, take these pictures, please. Click, click. <laughs> My favorite was the 80s. Mm. Wait, what did I do for the 80s? I did. You um, did. Oh, shoot. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, no. The 80s was the most fun to film because, okay, so there's a there's a picture of me with my leg up and I have been practicing that move because I used to dance. So like, it was a move that we used to do all the time just to like either stretch or like roll over, you know, it was a move that we used to do a lot. So it was really easy to do like when I, in my practice time, cause I haven't danced in a while. So it was just easy to like practice. But then when I got there, the floor was really slippery and my back was like, I had nylon um material on so it was like slipping all over the floor and she was like how about this I'm gonna count you down and then you just pull up and I was like okay bet so <laughs> we counted down and I pulled up but I was mostly upset like I was prepared to just sit there and hold the pose while she took the picture but that did not happen <laughs> I really like those now going back to the short film I like it's the season for depression yeah it's that season it's that season sorry yeah. no you're and my favorite line was it's that season where girls get depressed for no reason yes because <laughs> that's really what it feels like seasonal depression just feels like like there's nothing when we see mental health it feels like nothing is affecting it like when you get your knee scraped you know like it's hurting because it was scraped. When right. you break your arm, you know it's hurting because you broke your arm. 
But when the days are getting shorter and the sun starts going down faster and things are just moving so slow, it feels like you get sad and it just feels like there's no reason. Like, why am I upset? Like, there's nothing actually going on. When in all of actuality, there is a lot going on and you're just not taking the time to process it all because depression just comes. <laughs> it's not like a, sometimes it's triggered by things, but sometimes it just comes, it just hits you out of nowhere. So that's why I included that line. And also, um, it's that season along with, and that's on period, where references to like, city girl references because that's the audience I wanted to reach I wanted to reach black females in my age range girls younger than me uh middle age like that um 16 to 30 range like it's a big range but that's who I wanted to capture because like you're still learning your emotions in that time period like even 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 in the latter years like you're just becoming a fully functional adult. You're just getting bills. You're just, you know, finally living your life. But still, depression can hit you at any moment. And it's not like a, it's not a good feeling, <laughs> you know? It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's a terrible feeling, especially when, like, it's not really triggered by anything. It just happens. So, yeah, I, I put that line um, as a City Girl reference. But also, like, it's true. Like, girls get depressed. For no reason, sometimes. <laughs> now, do you think with your short film, has that helped with your seasonal depression? Um, that's a great question. So I'm going to say at the time, it helped me do something, if that makes sense. So yeah. what I do when I get depressed, I have to distract my mind by doing something, which actually for some people is not very healthy. But I find that right. works for me. I just have to do. So right now, right. whatever season, works for you. Right. It's right. It's what works for me. So right now, what I do is I play The Sims every day so that I distract my mind. And I love I, The um, Sims. Yes. I love The Sims. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. fantastic. <laughs> yes. My mom. Okay. My, my mother didn't get me The Sims game. She got me a Sims pack instead of the sims game for christmas <laughs> one year and i was like oh my gosh right like but girl what am i supposed to do with this <laughs> <laughs> dang and the packs are expensive so yeah she's just I like, know. Oh, so expensive <laughs> <laughs> imagine if she had bought the game she would have so like did you play do you play um on pc or do you play like on a console or what or oh, i play what? on my phone oh it's free play yeah. Yeah, no, I don't I don't like Sims free play because it's so different from the actual Sims. And the point of the Sims is that like you're altering reality, but like on Sims free play, like everything is in real time. Like, oh, you gotta build this and then come back in five minutes type deal. Like right. whereas on the real Sims, I could just build a house. It could take five minutes, it could take three hours, you know, it's just me building what I wanna do or like every minute on the sims is like a second in real life so i'm just going with the flow you know doing what i want pausing time fast forwarding time like i like that much better than sims free play but for sure like since free play is still like a form of escapism in a sense you know word yeah so right now what i'm doing for mine is playing the sims but at the time like me working on the short film was my 
sense of escapism, even though I was still like battling it. Like I tried to write it in October because like the October before that I actually wrote it because what I was going, what I was doing was trying to make a video project every week, but then school caught up with me real quick. Yeah. (laughs) School caught up with me real quick. And I was like, oh, I can't be doing this every week. Um, so that's why most of my stuff is a school project. I would just use it as my project of the week, you know? So, um, I tried to write it and just rush through it and just make it by myself. But then I realized there's a lot of loophole. I mean, there's a lot of plot holes. If it's just me, then I was like, Kamaya, you can't just use your camera for this. Like you need a real, like, well, my camera's real, but I would need like a, a more professional looking type aspect so I would feel better about the quality of it all so I I had to really put in work and it it really I say it didn't help because I was looking at it and I was like dang this is so real let me step away from this (laughs) like let me walk away and try again um so I don't get sad while I'm writing this but I think that's good that I was you know because that means I could pull real emotions and put it in there in my short film because some people just you know they'll just put out anything no feeling just whatever I think that's weird like um to some extent your work should reflect stuff you've gone through or stuff you researched like um people who who do acting roles as a special needs person like they may not which is weird to me a little bit but Eh, I digress still like you have to do a lot of research go talk to those people who um are who are actually have those special needs you know and make sure that you're not offending anybody like when people just put out random when white people put out random stories about black people don't even know one black person in their life that's weird that's real weird so uh I try to you know especially now do more research in my work and um, take what I feel and put it in there. Like it's easier to do that when you make characters that have some aspect of you. So that way, like, you know what emotions to put in there, you know, what's real. You don't have to do too much, but yeah, research is mostly important. And, but no, uh, it did not help my seasonal depression at all. (laughs) It just made me think of, um, I forget this actor's name, but she did a, she basically put on darker skin to mm. play a role. Oh gosh. It's Are a famous about- singer too. Yeah. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Nina Simone. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so I think if I'm not mistaken, the actor was Zaza Beats. Let me make sure. Mm-hmm. I know the actor was on... Oh, it was uh, Zoe Saldana. Yeah, it was her. Yeah, so (laughs) that... Oh, this makes me so mad. This is more reason for me to be in the industry. But this is a very common thing. Even It's even affecting, like, Black directors. But, like, they'll put in lighter-skinned women because they don't deem darker-skinned women as attractive on camera. And half the time... 
the reason they don't think that, especially white people, is because they don't know how to capture it. So right. when when you record something, it's easier to white balance or easier to light a white person because the light is just going to reflect off of them. But when black people, we absorb light. So the light is not going to bounce off of us. You know, we look good in the light when it's lit right. But like, if you don't light us right, we'll just look pitch black. We'll look like a shadow in in a film, in a commercial, in a movie, like all of the above. Like it, most people just don't work with darker skinned people because they don't know how to light them. And I just feel like if you don't know how to light a dark skinned person, how can you call yourself a lighting director, a rigger? How can you call yourself um, some someone a professional in the industry? You know what I'm saying? Like this is this happens so often and it, it doesn't happen with men you know they'll lie to dark-skinned men and that's a whole different story though but we just we see lighter-skinned women as more fragile and and more manageable and the dark-skinned woman is what we see as the stereotypical angry black woman which is something i want to turn around in the industry which is like like how you turn that around Yes, I try to use a balance of skin colors. I only use black people anyway. <laughs> um, but when I do, like, I try to use a balance of people, figure out, and I'm still learning lighting myself. I'm only 20 years old. So I don't know all that comes with uh, lighting. But, like, I still am making an effort to make sure that my darker skin people are lit correctly in the same amount as my lighter skinned people because when they get in the industry they might not get that same treatment and I just wouldn't like if I looked a hot mess on camera I would tell somebody so I would make sure that my people don't look hot mess because that's so rude you give someone a big break and they look stupid that's weird but I really this is such a common issue in Hollywood and even like the harder they fall like that was an amazing movie fantastic movie but I hate how the love interest was a light-skinned woman Zazie Beetz. Zazie Beetz did what she had to do don't get me wrong amazing actress um definitely deserved the part but it just fed into the idea that a dark-skinned woman would not have been worth that part I'm glad that other dark-skinned women were on the set you know behind the scenes and on camera but still like one of the main good roles was a light-skinned woman I don't know his name, but he is. He created Blackish. Mm, Kenya Barris. Yeah. Oh, Have you seen geez. his show on Netflix? Uh, Black AF. Yeah. No. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. <laughs> I was gonna ask you about that, but never mind then. <laughs> How do you feel about him? He is an interesting character. Um. Now, okay, I will say I appreciated Blackish a lot. Um, we had never seen a uh, a show that wasn't a sitcom that had black people in such a realistic light, right? Um, it was giving very much Cosby Show in the new era, except. Mm, Cliff Huxtable is a is a is a lower income male. 
than a doctor. You know, I appreciated blackish. Um, I also appreciated grownish because it's a black coming of age story. You know, great idea. Uh, mixed ish, not necessary, not necessary at all. And then uh, one day in the reporter, uh, which is the trades for Hollywood, uh, they were saying that brownish was becoming a possibility. And I was like, it has to stop. It has to end somewhere. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I appreciate him, his work, and I respect him as a director. Okay. Now, there were a lot of, I I remember like back in the day, there used to be a lot of Black sitcoms in the 90s and early 2000s, and it all just seemed like they all just went away. Like, there's not really a lot of them left, or not even really any at all. I I can only really think of Blackish. Yeah. Okay. So... What happened was, (laughs) um, this is all across, like, um, all Hollywood. So, in 2007, the Writers Guild of America went on strike. So, they weren't making films. They weren't making commercials. No scripts at all (laughs) during that time. So... Like, because of that, like, the people who weren't in the guild, people who weren't as experienced were just making stuff, and it wasn't as good. So in the 90s, you know, that was peak time for Black art, you know? Well, I'll say peak time for sitcoms in general, but especially Black sitcoms, you know? And then after that, like, it just, like you said, it went downhill after the turn of the century, really. But that writer's strike of 2007 really set it off. And, like, you could see that it was building up because, like, um, you know, half and half happened. And then my wife and kids, like, all of those are, like, the beginning of the downfall of TV, in my opinion. Like, they weren't, I'm not saying they weren't good content, but it's, like, you could see a difference between, let's say, one-on-one and sister-sister or um, half and half and living single a different world like it, it it's not the same it didn't have the same feel like I say 90s black sitcoms are more, more homey like Martin hilarious you know it felt great to watch a black man just you know live out his struggles as a radio show host um a different world that was relatable because it's like this is college at HBCU specifically which is what I think a lot of a lot of shows Nowadays, we're trying to mimic those shows, especially like Grunish. You could tell it was trying to mimic the shows like A Different World, but it wasn't executed correctly because it was at an HBCU. You, I mean, at a PWI. You can't have a HBCU experience at a PWI. You could tell that that's what they were trying to do in that show. So, yeah, like there is a stark difference in quality. And I hate that for the industry, but like it's going back up, like it's um being picked up in, not necessarily in sitcoms, but it's being picked up in the dramedy, drama era, drama section genre of of film and TV. All right. Okay. 
Now, when you get in the in- industry. Okay, when? Yes, when we're speaking into existence. Yeah. Would you want to make a movie first or a TV show? Um. Well, let me let me rephrase that. I'm sorry. Okay. No, you're good. If the opportunity came to make a movie or a TV show, what would you do and why? Ah, uh, so that's hard because I like both, <laughs> but um, movies. No, okay, I'll start with TV shows. TV shows, you can get more seasons. You just got to pray it don't get canceled, pray that the ratings are great. Um, Especially, like, if I were to make a TV show that was being streamed as opposed to one that was going on cable, like, that would be fantastic. But, like, a movie, you can break box offices with a movie. You can't break box offices with a TV show. So, oh, this is hard. I would say... A TV show, because it, it, it's more consistent work, I would say, you know, like it gives the the it gives the rest of the cast and crew an opportunity to have a longer job because the industry is so inconsistent, like you're going job to job to job. It's not like, a oh, I'm here and I'm, you know, ready to and I'm ready to stay on here for a long time, like. After the movie is over, it's time to find another show. It's time to find another commercial. It's time to find something. But on a TV show, like, it's easier for people to bring back who they had on set, like, all the lighting people, all the sound people, all the production assistants, they could come back and, you know, have something semi-consistent on a TV show. So I'm going to say TV show. Now, with a movie, I thought it takes a long time to, like, get a movie going to record a movie does it it take like so does it take two years three years or it really depends it really just depends so like action movies take a long time (laughs) because that's um you gotta worry about graphics and all types of cgi and special effects so that takes a long time but um it really just depends like also on the director like um tyler perry Somebody said that he made a full uh, 14 episode season in nine days. That's scary. <laughs> that um, that well, sounds he's like a person writing the script too. Like he's the only one writing the script and he doesn't have a. Yeah, he doesn't have a writer's room. Writer's room. Right. It's just him writing the scripts, just him going over the scripts and then him directing and him producing, which is amazing in essence. Like, wow, you do all of that. I imagine how stressed he is because I do that on small scale and I'm stressed, you know? <laughs> so that's amazing that he can do that. But in nine days, that's scary because it just sounds like something wasn't planned right or or something wasn't executed properly, you know? Like, I don't know. Like it took, it took like, it's it, the party part two, that was rushed. But that took, I'd say a week total. Uh, writing filming and editing so like and that was just a two-minute project actually no it was just a four-minute project so him making whole 30-minute series in nine days (laughs) that's a that's a lot actually no I think those episodes were an hour so yeah that um 
It's scary. <laughs> There's this one scene and it shows that it does, oh gosh. Uh, I believe it's the haves or the have nots. And this scene is so funny, but like, have you seen it where the dude literally slaps him and he just spins around? (laughs) Yes, I remember seeing it on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, he's definitely, I don't know if he did that to be funny. He probably did. (laughs) But, you know, Tyler Perry comes from a play background. All his plays were funny. Every single last one. So he definitely has that uh, comedic aspect. But I don't think that was supposed to be funny, you know? <laughs> I don't think that was the time. <laughs> now, with your TV show, what would you want your first show to be about? Okay, so I've been thinking about this for a long time. I... And I'm copywriting this idea, so don't nobody steal it. (laughs) I want to make a short film, no, TV show that highlights the the different subsections of a sitcom model. Because if you notice, like in every sitcom, there's like the uh, leader of the group. There's the high-end bougie one, and there's the dumb one, and then there's the one that just don't care about anything. Why is it like that? I have no idea. I think it's just because it's easy. In Living Single, it was Khadijah as the leader, Regina as the bougie one, uh, Sinclair as the dumb one, and then Maxine as the one that doesn't really care about anything. They did this in Golden Girls. You got uh, Blanche as the bougie one, uh, Dorothy as the leader, Betty White's character as the dumb one, and then the one that just don't care about anything was Dorothy's mama like I think it's just because it's easy like that is like when you have that model you could just go with anything all you have to do is add a name and maybe something quirky <laughs> in addition to all of that but it just makes uh writing easy but I want to make a show that highlights somebody that's not the leader you know maybe I want to highlight the bougie one like what is she going through or the one that don't care or the dumb one, like what? What do they have in their minds going on? You know, switch the roles. Right, I like that. That's really good. I like that different perspective. Yes. Oh yeah, I'm all about different. <laughs> all about different. Thank you for listening to the Blueprint Movement podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. You can follow Kamara Walker on Instagram at K-A-M-S-A-Y-S-H-I and at camera with the K righty production P-R-O-D Tune in tomorrow for the 8th day of 12 Days of Podcasting.